0: Hello and welcome to the Fresh Start Podcast, a show where we share success principles, explore the stories, experiences, and journey of real people in order to provide newcomers with strategies to succeed. My name is David Ojayenka. Today's show is part two of last week's episode with Tomi Gbele. If you haven't heard part one yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. That is the episode right before this, because you need that for context. Now let's dive right into part two with Tomi Belei. And um, so now let's go back to your university days again. Um, Then we'll come back to today to now. Um, You mentioned all the things you've done but you never spoke about your group. Um, did you Did you experience peer pressure and how were you able to overcome um, some of those peer pressure? Because into this time, a lot of young people are going through that, including older people too. But how did you separate yourself from the pack and then walk while other people were playing?
1: That is such a good question because, because sometimes I sit back and look at some of the things I did and I was like, why, why am I so eager to build? Like, what am I running towards like why am i always you know launching new projects and things like that um but in terms of peer pressure i would just say this i didn't necessarily necessarily set myself aside from the pack versus surrounding myself with like-minded individuals so many of my friends were also you know working two three jobs like we're also like planning to move to a bigger city after school like it was actually my friends that like told me in second year that they were like hey like you should start thinking about how you're going to get your permanent residency at that time I never even thought about oh I'm going to settle in Canada I always thought like oh I'm going to move back home kind of thing so it was actually my friends that in your body would say well from me what they were the ones that actually were like look sis like this is where you should focus on mm-hmm. so it's more of I had like-minded friends and sometimes they were even like ahead of me in terms of what they were thinking of and how they were thinking about their lives. So that's what was, I didn't see what I was doing in in undergrad or at any point in my life as strange because a lot of my friends were very like um, uh, proactive as well, yeah.
0: You also never spoke about your team. So do you have a team? And if yes, how did you build that team?
1: So um, my team is unique in that my team is not necessarily all employees. Like I have had, say, like independent contractors, influencers till date that work for uh, work with me, work for me. We have, like, for example, now MFMG has, like, an affiliate um group or database of about 50 affiliates that basically um, use our products and share our products with our audience. So it's, I feel like I have less of a team versus like a community around me that has like given me tips on, even with the funding. So something to be clear about my funding is I'm not VC backed or anything. A lot of my funding has come from pitch competitions Mm -hmm. or like grants applications that I've won. But like those grant applications have come from my community kind of saying hey this is where you should go so to give you a sense i can give you like a rundown of sort of the community i built in Mm -hmm. toronto one -hmm. of the first things i did once i knew that this was a wanted i wanted this to be a full-fledged business was i joined something called the founders institute so it is a bit of an intense program it's an incubator Um, i was doing it while i was working full-time and the idea is like you go through the different like um ideation stages for a business like we did like one of the weeks would be like marketing the other week would be like incorporating your business that kind of thing and it was about 20 to 30 entrepreneurs we actually started with a class of 50 by the end of it only eight people graduated so that was a great idea for me to do that because it was a very structured program there was like a clear directive at the end of the program. And from it, I gained a network or um, community of entrepreneurs like myself, and I was able to get more contacts in like the Toronto ecosystem. After that, I also participated in the fashion zone. So the Ryerson DMC, they actually have a number of other zones. There's one called the fashion zone, which I applied to and I joined because again, another entrepreneur had told me about it and i was like oh wow this is amazing let me apply and what they do is they offer subsidized like um office space it's also a program you have to apply and get accepted into and then they also have a network of entrepreneurs around you the other program i did and i think for some of my friends they were kind of like why you always didn't you get what you needed from the first incubator kind of thing but i don't think people understood that when you don't because i Work a full-time job as well, right? It's not like MFMG is my sole business, and I have the traditional like team of five or six in the office together. So because I didn't have that, I found my team in sort of non-traditional ways through participating in these like organizations. So another group I joined was Next Canada as well. Again, they're always championing my work, connecting me. That's how I find out about maybe government grants or pitch competitions and things like that. So for example was a pinch competition I did that was called Ignite Capital. I found that out from like my fashion zone family. And the way it worked was basically there were three stages. You got 5,000 at stage one, 5,000 stage two, 5,000 stage three with a chance to win 15,000. And I can probably say that out of about like a thousand plus entrepreneurs that applied, MFMG like got through every single stage and won a pinch competition. So That kind of opportunity didn't come because I just knew to apply. It was because my community was like, hey, here's this thing you should
0: apply. That's impressive because some people think that, you know, entrepreneurship is easy. Because now everybody's calling themselves side Osla, side Osla. You know, I have side business. I have side hustle. What would you say to that? I
1: actually just posted on this. So I got, MFMG got another big win this week. So Pinterest actually, it's actually national black business month in the, in the United States this month. So Pinterest, hmm. Curated a selected number of black owned businesses about 20 all across North America and um, I believe MFMG and another brand called Andrea Yama are the only two Canadian businesses listed so
0: congratulations
1: thank you I was posting about that on my personal Instagram. And the first thing I said is, if anyone tells you entrepreneurship is a get rich quick scheme, che, we better run in the opposite direction because like even, like I've had moments where even say my fiance, it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing with this thing? Like, you know, we have a family to plan. Like we need to know exactly, you know, how much is going to bring the here, like when I used to be on Instagram all the time, kind of like, you know, what are you doing on Instagram? What's happening? So there's been so, 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 I can't even start to name all the different challenges because some of it is just the normal business stuff, like when the supplier messes up, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're also bootstrapping, you know, it's like, that's mistake with which a bigger business can easily absorb, it can be life or death for your company.
0: How has it been from the time you started to now? Because you mentioned that you were receiving a lot of rejections, you were not receiving replies to your emails, but you kept going. What was the motivation behind your persistence? Because some people would have said, you know what, I have a community already, some brands are paying me, you know, some little change here and there, I think I'm good. And and again, I didn't plan to start something big before. Um, I stumbled into this, you know, I've evolved from a, a struggling t-shirt company to where I am right now. I think I'm good. So what do you say to that? So
1: you just basically listed all of my fears before jumping into this thing, right? Because those were all the things holding me back. I was kind of like, you know, let me just focus on, you know, trying to get that management position at work versus getting full on into this thing. But I think one of the biggest things though is also like the mission, mission and the vision behind what I'm doing, all the rejections. And again, because I'm specifically focused on black women, a lot of those rejections a lot of times were like involving race or not believing this particular type of business, it being like women-centric, in being it being something related to makeup, it being specifically geared towards black women. There's a lot of I got, I've gone so many um, especially at pitch competitions or these incubator things, like I've had incidences where even my peers will say things like, oh, isn't Mac already doing this? All those things though, it definitely gave me a chip on my shoulder and bolding me is like, okay, all right, this is what you think, you know, we'll see- I'll see you on the other side, okay? So I'm very, I think the subject matter as well, like this, I felt like I was fighting against this idea that something that's tailored to black, people cannot be successful. It's too niche, you know, something that is focused on women cannot be successful. And I just like, there was just a personal desire to just break down that barrier, that ceiling, especially when I was seeing women around me and maybe not women that I knew, but just women in the online communities do it. And I seen the response from my audience, loving all the stuff. And then I would be in maybe in front of a, Pitch judge or whatever. And they're telling me what I'm building is useless. I was like, this makes no sense. Like, how can something that has like A hundred thousand plus followers off of barely any, you know, doesn't even have the same assortment of products as a bigger brand has like 10,000 email subscribers and all of the data. I was reading was showing that multi-cultural beauty consumers are actually buying more than the other populations. I was seeing companies like Shea Moisture get sold. And then while in my, like, for example, at a pitch competition, I'll just as an example, being told this business idea makes no sense. That definitely has been a huge driving force for me because I feel like there is something I'm seeing evidence of and for whatever reason, some other people cannot see that. So that was just, that's the big, big driving force of, I know this is an opportunity. I see kind of all the traction within the total beauty market pointing this way. And especially, I mean, in the last few months with like this, uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement and in return in the beauty industry specifically, an increased push for diversity and support Black-owned, women led businesses, for me, it's kind of like, see, like I told you all, like this needed to be more amplified. This is very important. So I think that's a big driving force of me kind of looking at the data and kind of seeing a market trend and getting told by the supposed experts that the trend I'm seeing is, is is not true or is not relevant in which for me I was taking it as that's definitely part of it to do is you're looking at this from a race perspective and you're not seeing the business opportunity. I'm, re- I'm
0: really impressed um, by that. Can you give us an example of a time when you went for a pitch competition all excited about it and you got that kind of feedback that you know this cannot go anywhere. Can you give us an example and how you you, sh- you shoved it off and you kept you kept going?
1: I've had so many. I don't even know where to start. I've had, um, I was at a so to Founders Institute, right? It's a very tough program. And one of the things they do is you actually pitch every week to industry professionals. So some of these people have already sold businesses, you know, some of them are um, executives at like major corporations. I had a guy tell me that, um, you know, I think you should just do this as a hobby. Like, I just don't want you to waste your time. I've had women even tell me like, you know, why you. Focusing so much on Black women, why can't it be for everybody? You know. Um, so for me, brushing it off. I mean, that stuff hurts. I mean, even when I was in certain accelerator programs, where even my peers would be like, "Oh, but I don't understand. Mac is doing this already." Or, or the new one I get all the times, like, "Scented Beauty already exists. Like, why? Why should we? Why do you think your business is going to be successful?" For me the brushing it off is in terms of the success. It's, 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 it's being able to keep servicing my customers. So I focus on the customers instead, especially as a bootstrap business. The customers are my funders. So my focus is on even making the products more innovative. So one, thing's I've, one thing I've stepped up with the products is even my packaging is getting to the point that I've actually been getting my customers send me messages of people copying our packaging and at that point I'm like you know what imitation is the best form of flattery so I kind of upgraded my business upgraded the look like the way every the website looks now the way our customer service is isn't the way it was a year or two ago so my whole thing has actually been trying to be be better, like deliver a better experience, deliver more innovative products. Like we have skincare coming out soon as well because the feedback from the customers has been, especially during quarantine, people want something, you know, more for self-care. So my focus when people say all those things is, you know what if you say that you're not my target customer like you're not this list- reading the responses from my customers that tell me this is what they want you know what i mean mm-hmm. so my response to that is to focus even more on my customer needs and their interests so that's what i've done so far
0: wow if you don't mind how old were you when you started mfmg
1: Oh, do I even know? Because starting MFMG is like different points. I would say when I incorporated um, MFMG, Mm I was, uh, let me see now, I was 26 when I incorporated the business.
0: You spoke about something that a lot of people are afraid of, which is um, rejection. So because they dread it, they would rather not make any move. People don't want to be rejected. What is your greatest fear? And how do you manage fear?
1: Hmm, very good question. My greatest fear is definitely failure. I'll say failure, and it's a big one. Um, How do I manage it? I think it's a mixture of like spirituality, because that just helps me to kind of outsource some of those fears, to be quite honest. Because if I just think I was like, you know, some of these things are just not in my hands anymore, it's in God's hands now um that helps me manage it but I mean I've had my moments where I break down I cried during this COVID period where I had applied for like a special program it was specifically for women entrepreneurs and I didn't get it like I just remember being so frustrated being like you know what is it going to take to kind of you know move certain things ahead so I mean I still struggle with rejection sometimes but I think these days, the way I manage is a mix of like, it's actually, it's not a mix, it's all very spirituality focused. But like, in terms of the actual activities, it's a mix of like, exercise and meditation and prayer and all of those things combined they help me a lot or even reading great books as well um because I'm the biggest lesson I'm learning now especially I would say I was really bad at this in 2018 and Q4 2019 where I just want to work all the time like it goes to the point that like at my incubator like I, at the fashion zone like people knew I would be there till like 2 a.m every day but I was realizing I wasn't getting that much further than some of my peers that weren't working that hard. So I just started to realize that, oh, if I actually take care of myself and I set a hard stuff for myself, I can actually do more when my brain is rested and when I, I'm, I'm like, I'm well. Mm. So that has been, I'm still struggling with that because my mindset has just been like, just burn yourself to the ground. You just have to grind, grind and work. So I'm trying to introduce more of the balance. The rejection thing, honestly, it still stings sometimes till today, but the thing, the good thing is um, like my mom would say, like life is full of roses and thorns. You're just trying to make sure there's not that many thorns, like thorns are part of the game. Like you, can be especially as an entrepreneur you're starting to you're trying to create a new idea or sometimes you know maybe a reformulated idea either way it's a new concept you're trying to put out there in the world that doesn't exist some Mm. people are going to be resistant to that some people are just not going to care so that is just part of the game you're going to get rejected period
0: hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's part of life it's it, it's actually what makes life interesting you were also an international student what are some of the mistakes you see international students make and how do you think that those mistakes can be corrected
1: so I would talk about the mistake I made which mm-hmm. was like my first job offer in Toronto because I'd been at that time I'd been looking for like three months and I was just like I need a job like I didn't negotiate. That's, that's number one, because I just felt grateful to have the job. There was a huge mistake that like, even within the, and by the way, once I started the organization, I crushed it. I was like the top um, outstanding rookie of the year. I was like the top sales rep for my region, all this stuff. But if I had negotiated from the beginning, like I would have even had more opportunities to like, make more from a financial perspective because what happens with that is then you start to feel underappreciated and all these other things which impacts your work so that was the first mistake i had this mindset of ah, i just need to be grateful to have the job just happy to be here kind of thing i definitely should have done that piece um the other thing too i find and this is i'm reading a really great book right now called the memo by Minda hearts which i recommend to, like every black woman or that has a professional job or even not just period to read is you do have to play the game like um i know there's some people who are like oh you know i don't want to you know spend too much extra time with my co-workers and you know i don't want to talk about whatever i just want to do my work and go home sadly a lot of times if you just put your head down and work and go home that's not the person that gets the promotion. Like you have to develop relationships with people at work. Like you've got, you know, remember people's kids and their kids' birthdays and engage in some of that stuff. Because I find sometimes with those of us from a different culture, we kind of shun those things or think, oh, this is ridiculous, I have to do this and all of that stuff, but it does, materially help people get ahead so you just got to do it too but
0: those are the two things
1: yeah negotiate your salary please
0: I, how, about, how about when they're in the university?
1: While in school, yes. Similar things about the activities, like get involved. I have friends that used to make fun of me because I was very active in the university community. Like I was a residence um, residence uh, proctor, which is like the people that live in the halls and like manage the student housing community. And what that, that actually had a great financial incentive because then I didn't pay, I didn't pay for a room and board. So I did that. I would work for the International Student's Office. I was a faculty peer mentor. I worked for the student radio, worked for the student newspaper. Um, it was more of what didn't I do? And I remember I had friends that would make fun of me because like part of the residence community we used to have all the little chants and all this stuff. But low key, I was building my network with all of those things, right? Like I was building a community. I was learning different things. That was an experience I could put on my resume in terms of like, Having accountability and responsibility for 150 students in the space. Right. So yeah, don't shun yeah, like. I'm not saying don't be yourself like try and be fake or whatever, but definitely don't have the attitude of, oh, this is only for this kind of person or you know, these kind of people. Just like you're you're here to explore. You know what I mean? Like be open. Be open. Don't just let the Don't just go through the university, so to speak. Let that experience go through to you as well. Because it can be, I've actually seen this, and it's not even just a certain race. I've seen this across different kinds of international students. They start the job and they have no idea about social norms or within like the workplace. I've actually seen one or two of those situations. And unfortunately, those people were eventually like, they, had, they, were, they could either weren't a good fit and had to be let go. And I, what I saw that as was probably when they were in their underground, undergraduate experience, they just put their heads down, got the grades and left, but didn't take their time to actually kind of learn some of the, what I would call, just the social norms or activities at work, at the workplace, like those sort of things are important as well. So I highly encourage people to get involved in activities and be open-minded yeah
0: when when you say social norms what do you mean can you give an example or examples
1: examples like um i had an international student co-worker once that would say things that would be deemed very inappropriate for like a canadian setting but perhaps in 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 um the country he had worked in before like those things were acceptable. like making comments about people's weight kind of thing casually in jokes those sort of things um maybe it, that was like a big one where it was just a big no-no of like you know this just is not how it works here um even being it, that was a big part of that like just especially now in this climate that we're in like mm-hmm. you really have to be mindful of what you're saying and who you're saying it to because it made a number of people very uncomfortable like comments on people's wage or um hints that you know their sexuality making that kind of thing as a joke I think that was one of it and another example was just again um when I say social norms just like not talking to people at all for example (laughs) like I'm just coming to work and I'm just gonna leave Mm-hmm. like you can stay in a job for a long time as long as you're getting it done but in terms of getting a promotion knowing what's happening that's not good like in fact for example invite the person to launch and they would just never come mm-hmm. right It's never come to anything that any of the coworkers workers are doing it's just like i'm just here to work y'all leave me alone and i'm going back home it's fine. like you're probably going to have a fine work experience doing that but you're not going to know what spots are coming up for you know that are opening up for promotion if you do that you're just not going to really actually know what's going on in your own organization like all the news coming would be a surprise and also people want to work with people that they know or and if people don't get to know you it can be more difficult to advance within your career so those are the specific examples it's around like not open to building relationships with co-workers or like Not not knowing social norms about some certain comments or things that might have have been okay in other settings, but definitely not fine in a Canadian workplace. Those would be some of my examples.
0: That's really, really important, social norms. Can you tell us your biggest mistake and how you Mm. made correction?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good question. So, embarrassed. I mean, I've already talked about salary negotiations millions of times, (laughs) To be clear, I cor- I course corrected very quickly and <laughs> learned how to do that. So that's definitely one thing I'll list as a mistake. And I think another mistake is what I was talking about earlier, where there was a point in my career where I just didn't want, I just felt like oh, I do not want a lot of attention to myself. I just want to do my work and go home. And then, even though, like I told you, I was one of the top at my at that particular organization and um, there was a new, I, it's not even that I wanted this new position, but just the fact that it came to me as a surprise, that rocked me a lot, because I was just like, oh my god, I've just been in my own world, doing my own thing, and I'm not aware of the changes happening in the organization. I think that was another big mistake, where I was just kind of like, I'm just here, do my work, do a great job, and go home. I wasn't making an effort to really, like, with my co-workers, go to certain events that we go, they were going to, that kind of thing. I would say that was another mistake that I made early in my career. Another mistake is, um, and obviously I would say I am, I categorize myself as a very ambitious person, but sometimes it takes, I mean, I mean I've made certain risky moves that have paid off well, where I would just be like, okay, I'm doing this now, I'm moving to Toronto, I'm moving into tech, I'm changing to stop, doing that. Sometimes it does pay to just take a step back and think things through a little bit. So those are some of the mistakes or, I don't know about embarrassing moments, but definitely more mistakes that I would say I've made.
0: All right, Tommy. thank you so much. And I hope it was worth every minute you spent with me. I really look forward to hearing amazing things about you and about MFMG.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for creating this platform. It's definitely. I wish I had this when I had my fresh start. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fresh Start. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone you know and love. Please go ahead and subscribe on any platform you listen to your podcast. And also please take a moment to leave us a review because that would help us to reach more audience. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fresh Start Orb. If you know any newcomer you think would be a good fit to interview for the podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Please go to www.freshstartorb.com thefirststartup.com to nominate someone. We appreciate you and remember, no matter how hard the past is, you can always begin again. Take care and have a great week.